Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Let's see the Lord's working in Joseph's life for a few minutes. And then come to that feast in which we celebrate, remember, and glory in all that His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, has done for us. Before we broke, we were at verses 14 through 16 of Genesis chapter 41. Pharaoh called for Joseph. He said, I've had a dream. My magicians cannot tell me the interpretation. I've heard that you can tell interpretations. Joseph said, it is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now we're going to move ahead a little ways. But we want to also remember the sovereignty of God that Joseph explains to Pharaoh. God is telling Pharaoh what he is about to do. Your gods can't stop it, help it. God is telling Pharaoh what he is about to do. If you read, if you read these chapters, they're just full of matter for a soul to delight in and rejoice. What did we learn from verses 14 through 16? We learned that Joseph, in a place before Pharaoh, did not negotiate, did not take any credit for himself, did not show any bitterness or revenge toward the Egyptians. He was happy to give Pharaoh a message of peace. He showed his humility. It is not in me. He showed his reverence to God. God. He showed his respect for authority by not laying claim to, I was, I've been wrongfully imprisoned for the last number of years. Didn't bring anything up like that. He showed his respect for the king of Egypt and then kindness to his captors and enemies by saying, God has a message of peace. That the interpretation is good and it's going to preserve your kingdom. Because without bread, the natives revolt. It's happened in many societies in many different times. Many revolutions have occurred with a lack of bread. But there wasn't going to be a lack of bread in Egypt because God had a message of peace for Pharaoh. He could have been pompous. He could have been puffed up. He didn't. He could have kept such a message from Pharaoh. I don't want to give him that, Lord. He could have fought and acted like Balaam. But he didn't. The truth had been revealed to him. And even if the truth is to the benefit of another, a pagan nation that had been his enemy so far, in several ways, he considered it a message of peace and he was happy to give it. Verse 25. Then Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. Though there were two dreams, they had one message. God hath showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. I love those words. The seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Joseph was unashamed to acknowledge the sovereign power of Jehovah in the middle in the presence of a man who worshipped different gods and who had the power of life and death over Joseph. And I hope that we would be as unashamed to speak about God and His sovereign power before those friends, colleagues, neighbors, customers of ours. 
when the chance arises, when there's an issue or a controversy or a question, we should be able to speak about God and His sovereign power. We have nothing to be ashamed of with the God we worship. They may think that we're a little strange because we don't have musical instruments, we don't celebrate Christmas, and we do things differently. But we have nothing to be ashamed of. We have the truth. We know the true and living God, and He is a sovereign judge of the whole universe, and there is no God beside Him. He looked for them. He made diligent search, but there were none found. And we should love to speak of the Lord Jehovah. Joseph was zealous religiously. He was not ashamed of his God. He was not ashamed of his God's sovereignty. He was not ashamed of his God's religion. What about you? I've mentioned some things. Are you happy, cheerful, and glad to be able to pray in public before you eat and condemn everyone around you for not being thankful for the food that God put on their plates? Food is from the hand of God. It comes from no other source. He opens His hand and feeds every living creature from Psalm 145. We should love to speak of Him. There should be no fear. If there was ever a man that could have feared, it's it's Joseph here. It's the three Hebrew men before Nebuchadnezzar when they said, We are not careful to answer thee, O king. Whether our God will deliver us from your fiery furnace or not, we don't know. But we're not going to bow down and worship your image. And that is a prince of Zion. We are never afraid to speak of our God. Now, unless you're living a life worthy of His name, it can be terrible to speak of that God. And you never want to allow that to happen. I'll go ahead and strip myself. Maybe I've told you this before. Maybe I haven't. I hardly ever tell these stories. I don't like going back. I told a joke one time in a meeting of Michigan National Bank of Detroit. A bad joke. I remember being called into my boss's office afterwards. And there was only one sentence said. If he'd have fired me, it'd have been easier. I thought you were a Christian. Now, that was terrible. David Buckler, Chief Financial Officer, Michigan National Bank of Detroit, after a meeting of the Asset Liability Committee, I thought you were a Christian. God forgives. God is merciful. And I go forward. But I brought that up to say this. If we're going to talk about God and His sovereignty and His religion, let us have lives that when we speak, they listen. So that they have a reason to ask us of the hope that is within us. Do you know how that verse starts? We quote this part of it all the time. Be be ready to give an answer or a reason to them that ask a hope of the reason, to give a reason... You know what? I'm going to look it up. I don't want to corrupt the Word of God. We just heard somebody say something about us loving every word. I'm not going to keep paraphrasing that that one. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Our lives should be full of meekness. They should be full of fear of God. And we should be ready to give an answer to men that ask us a reason for why we think and live differently. But I want to tell you something about that verse. I left off the first part of it. It starts off by saying, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Amen. It starts off, we prepare ourselves to speak about God 
by loving God and having a pure heart on the inside, then that flows out of our lips because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And when we set God up on high in our hearts, then we live like He's on high, and then we're able to speak about Him and not bring disgrace to His name. He was zealous religiously. God is telling Pharaoh what he is about to do. I don't care about your gods, Pharaoh, and I don't care how often you go to your temple to pray. God is telling Pharaoh what he's about to do. Let's go to verse 33. Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. Joseph, and this was by the inspiration of God, and I won't deny that, but Joseph, after he had said God is telling Pharaoh what he's about to do, then Joseph gives them a plan to deal with the national emergency that is coming in seven years. And he lays it out for them how they can protect themselves. Now, I don't know if you or I would do that after the way we had been treated by that nation. Right. He could have said, well, this is the interpretation. There's going to be seven good years. There's going to be seven bad years. Live with it. Now, now you're smiling. Uh, have, you ever, have you heard those words this past week? Or month? Or I hope you've never said them, but I hope you've heard them. So that you know what I'm talking about. Joseph could have thought that way. But he didn't. He said, Pharaoh, here's what needs to be done to protect your nation. Do this. Here's what needs to be done. Look at his kindness and his love, even to his enemies. Wherever we see Joseph facing his brothers as enemies, facing the king of Egypt as his enemy, the butler and the baker as Egyptian officers of the court, he's always showing love, kindness, forgiveness, and helpfulness. And that is what we want to be. Let them do whatever they wish to us. Whoever your enemies might be, let's bless them that curse us. Let's pray for them that despitefully use us. Let's love our enemies. Let's salute them. Joseph showed his kindness and his love by using his wisdom to tell them what they ought to do. And yes, it was inspired by God. And he went ahead and told them. Verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Joseph, by revealing the interpretation of the dream, by having a discreet and wise solution to the problem, Pharaoh was immediately impressed that this is a discreet and wise young man. Obviously, God is with him. God is in him. Do we have, if you are basking in the Word of God, if you are meditating upon the Word of God, you will have answers. If you read Psalm 119, the chapter in the Bible dedicated to the, to the Bible, if you read through those verses, if you will find statement after statement, that if you meditate upon God's Word, you will have things in your mouth to say to people. You will have answers. 
Because the answers to all men's questions are in the Bible. God gave His Spirit to Joseph. Joseph interpreted the dream, and Joseph had a solution for it. Let us be as wise and prudent as Joseph by giving Bible answers, God's answers, to men. Because there are answers, and there are wonderful answers from the Bible. Joseph was visibly noble in character. God chose him to rule the whole land because everything he did and the way he conducted himself, even if he had given the interpretation of Ben-Bent, but had acted like a fool or had acted arrogant, he wouldn't have got that promotion that he did right there on the spot. It all blended together because he was a prince, which is what we want to aspire to by the grace of God. Let's come to verse... I'm not reading verse by verse. You know, I, I, I hope, and I beg you to read these 14 chapters and read them again and read them again. They're wonderful reading. I'm just jumping from point to point of things we can learn about Joseph. Let's come to verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Here are two verses that tell us a little bit more about Joseph. Now, this is why we know he was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh, because the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. The Bible tells us he was 30. The Bible tells us he spent two years in prison. They didn't intend to spend there because the butler forgot him. So we know the timing of the butler and baker's dreams relative to his life. But here we have another indication of his character. This is a little different. Verse 45, Pharaoh, seeing that he's a single man, disregarding anything that, had been, that he had been accused of in the past, took the priest of On, one of the honored priests of Egypt, and his daughter, and gave that daughter to Joseph. Now, Joseph had a choice. Joseph could be self-righteous and create some legalistic approach to things, but he didn't because he was a wise man. He was in a situation that he did not have a wife. He'd been there for 13 years, and his employer was giving him a gift. And he took the gift, married the woman, went to bed with her, and had two tribes of Israel. That does not allow any of you in this room to consider any such thing. We marry in the Lord because that's a commandment in the ordinary course of things. This was an extraordinary situation, and Joseph knew the difference Because men that know the heart of God know the difference. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. There would have been no purpose in Joseph defying Pharaoh and depriving himself after 13 years. Listen, I'll tell you this. And I do this on the authority of the Word of God because the principles of Jesus Christ weigh so heavily. If your plane crashes on an island, there's only you and another woman there and you're not married to her. And there's no hope of you escaping. Go ahead and marry her. You say, well, I don't have a priest. Who who said you needed a priest to get married? Just marry her. Don't worry about it. I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. God doesn't care for your little games. He didn't care about it. Joseph's a prince. Joseph knew how to think. The king of Egypt was giving him a great gift. He'd been there 13 years. There didn't look to be any hope of escape. And he had just signed up for 14 years of duty. He had just re-upped. Because there was going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now, I like this example here. Let me give you another one so that you can understand this one. When Naaman had been cured of leprosy by Elisha, the prophet, he came back to Elisha and he said, Elisha, may I have 
an earth load, a mule's load of dirt from Israel to take back to Syria. Because I'm only going to worship the God of heaven now. I'm only going to worship your God. The dirt back there ain't good enough. I just want some of your dirt so I can build a little altar to the Lord. And I've got a problem. When I go back, my boss, the king of Syria, I'm the captain of his host. Whenever he goes into his pagan temple, and it's called the House of Remen, I have to go with him. We link arms. And when he bows, I have to bow. What should thy servant do? Elisha said, I've got better things to do with my time. Go in peace. His actual words were, go in peace. Because, see, that man had an obligation upon him to do something as part of his employment, and he had just made his declaration to Elisha and to God. I am only going to worship the God of Elisha, the God of Israel. Part of my job will require me to make the appearance that I'm worshiping another God, but I do not worship that God. Elisha said, go in peace. Don't worry about it. Jesus said, when David ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, and when his disciples plucked corn in the cornfield and ate it, which was not lawful for them to do on the Sabbath day, ordinarily considered, Jesus said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Joseph understood that. David understood it. You know, I've asked you many, many times, how did David know? How did David know that he could eat that showbread because he knew from Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6 that hadn't even been written yet? That God did appreciate mercy more than sacrifice. Because they knew the heart of God and Joseph knew the heart of God. He was stuck there. He needed a wife. The king, whom God had just given a message of peace, had given him a peace offering for his years in prison. One of the fine women of Egypt, and he married her. And I want to show you God's blessing. See, God didn't kill their children. When David stole Uriah's wife, God killed that child. Because David didn't have any right. There was no extraordinary situation. There was no emergency for David to do anything like that. That child died. Let me tell you about the two children that came out of Asenath. They are two tribes of Israel. Manasseh and Ephraim. Praise the Lord. Joseph understood all that. We try to learn the whole Bible so that we can have the heart of the Lord. You know what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 16? We have the mind of Christ. We have it in our new man. But we bring it to our understanding by reading this Bible. Joseph knew that he was making a wise and prudent choice, and he went ahead and did it. Let me tell you what he did with those two boys. Chapter 41, verse 50. Well, here's the birth. I was jumping ahead of myself a little too far. By marrying Athenath and taking that gift from Pharaoh, Joseph showed his great wisdom. That does not give you any liberty. You are not in any such situation. You have not been marooned in a strange land for 13 years and have re-upped for 14 that the Lord has assigned for you to take care of a pagan nation. So you don't have that. I hope I've made that clear. That was an ex- that was. An extraordinary situation. In extraordinary situations, God has extraordinary mercy for them. Verse 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, saith he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Verse 52. And the name of the second called he Ephraim. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And they were two tribes of Israel. That is how Joseph got the birthright. 
when Jacob, when Jacob was on his deathbed, and we'll, we're going to get to that later, and he gathered his 12 sons around, you can read in Genesis chapter 49 how he went from oldest to youngest. And there was some ugly stuff brought out at that meeting. And he left some of those sons high and dry as far as much in the way of blessing. But when he got to Joseph, there was great blessing. And Joseph got the birthright because Joseph had two tribes in Israel. Remember, Levi was pulled out because Levi was the priestly tribe and didn't have an inheritance. So that reduced it down to 11. Joseph was pulled out and his two sons replaced it. So tribes 11 and 12 were Manasseh and Ephraim by this relationship that we're reading about right here. I'll finish up this way about Joseph. Joseph was very wise in that in making that choice. He submitted to God's sovereignty in his life, where he was located, the difficult circumstances of it, and the gift that had been given to him by a man that God by a man that God was obviously taking care of. And Joseph may have seen more of the future than we see. He, he may have seen the, the saving of his family already because he was a prophet. And that he was going to provide the food to save his own family once things ran out in Canaan. Did Joseph train those children in the fear of the Lord? Yes, he did. How can we gather that? Because he took those two boys. He didn't have to ask Asenath for permission for anything. Pharaoh had said, unless I'm in my throne, you rule this land. No one's going to raise a hand or do anything without you. He took his two sons. Once Jacob gets down there, nine years from now, nine years later, Jacob comes down. The second year of the famine. There's five years left of the famine when Jacob moved down. He took his two boys to have Jacob bless them. And Jacob blessed them both, and he wouldn't have blessed two pagans of Egypt. He blessed the two sons of Joseph because they had been trained to fear the Lord, and you don't find any difficulty in the history of Israel while, those, while that nation is in Egypt of those two tribes wanting to stay, they had left Mama, or Mama had been converted by Joseph. Either way, Joseph was a faithful father. Fathers, to be like Joseph. Some of you are older. You know that I've been preaching to the young men. And I want the young men especially to be like Joseph because they have a life in front of them and the young women. But we, as fathers, to be like Joseph, we better train our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord because Joseph obviously did his job because two sons of his born to the daughter of the priest of on living in egypt years before they would see their godly relatives chose those godly relatives as their inheritance rather than that of egypt fathers provoke not your children to wrath it is easy for us to be overbearing critical inconsistent emotional Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's a commandment. Joseph had never read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, but he knew it. Because the Spirit of God had taught him that in his heart, and Joseph was a faithful father. He made a wise and prudent choice in accepting the gift of the king of Egypt. He had two sons by God's blessing that God did not destroy. Like in the case of David that I mentioned. And then he was a faithful father in training them and wanting God's blessing upon them and taking them to Jacob. And you know, that's a whole little story in itself. When he brought the two boys to Jacob, and Jacob is sitting there, and and Joseph has already arranged them, because his father can't see, to make sure that the oldest one gets under his right hand, and he pushes them forward. 
And Jacob switches his hands because God is determined to bless the younger more than the older of the two of them. And, and that's a touching story right there in itself. But that's Joseph's loyalty to his godly family and to his father, knowing that he won the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob upon those two sons of his. Praise the Lord. Elisha, Elisha saved Naaman from a terrified conscience. And Joseph knew that he could be saved as well, and God blessed it. You know, I mentioned David, and after, after God dealt with David and promised him that he was going to have trouble for the rest of his life, and after he killed that first child, this is how thorough confession of sins and repentance is. God considered then Bathsheba to be a widow and a right wife for David. And out of the next time they came together came Solomon. Jedediah, loved of the Lord. That is how gracious God is. And it's because of this. It's only because of this. We could go on, but I don't want to. I want to go to the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, there are no words that originate in the heart of man that can truly stir up the new man. It it is your work. It is not in me. Oh God, stir up the hearts of these people and stir up my heart. That the righteousness and godliness, the wisdom and the faith, the integrity and the honesty of Joseph will be something that we love and desire and will seek in our lives beginning right now. We thank you that you have written so many chapters about this man and that you have told us they were written for our learning and that he is now in the bleachers as a witness watching us help us to lighten our lives, to lay aside the sin that doth so easily beset us, and to run with patience the days, months, or years that we have left in our lives. Father in heaven, I call upon Thee, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, to restrain the devil in all of our lives and to put a hedge about us and to stir us up in our inner man that we would want to live in such a godly way to be a prince in Zion. And Heavenly Father, now I pray that You will stir us up in our inner man by the power of that same Holy Spirit to know the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of Christ for us who came and died for us, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Heavenly Father, as we sing, as we consider some scriptures, and as we partake of the bread and the wine. Bless us by Your grace to rejoice in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, that our sins have been washed away, that He is a glorious Savior, that He's coming for us, that we will confess our sins and turn from all wickedness in our lives. We might live faithfully unto Thee. I ask this in Jesus' name and for His honor and glory. Amen.